Hello, I'm Mariette Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is Independence in Love Relationships, the Key to Intimacy. My guest is Andre Webster, sexuality counsellor from Cape Town. Welcome, Andre. Mariette, it's so good to be here and thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited about the work you are doing. And just to be able to share with you is, is a real gift. So thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you, Andre. And to our listeners, after our conversation, Andre will give us his three best tips on intimacy. And then it will be fun question time. Andre, we all have the primal need to love and be loved and to know and be known. Could you explain how you see intimacy? Intimacy is exactly what you've said. Um, if we go right to the, the bottom line of what it means to have relationships, it's all about us knowing somebody and being known by somebody. Um, I like to go a bit further. We also need to be intimate within ourselves. So we need to know ourselves. And the beautiful gift of um, knowing who we are, being able to share that with someone else, have their perspective of ourselves, and then, then for us to be able to hear who they are and have a perspective on that and be able to hear without judgment and really connect around that is beautiful. Intimacy is a big term and um, it includes lots of factors. But probably one of the most important ones is that intimacy speaks about our mind map. And it talks about us all having some kind of backstory to whatever it is we're doing or thinking about. Could you please tell us more about that? Mind mapping is the most, one of the most exciting things that we can do. And firstly, it means that we need to know a backstory that we have to whatever it is that is in front of us. So we all have backstories. So if I put a pair of sneakers or tackies in front of us, we will all have a perspective on what they are because of our history. Okay, so for me, when I look at those sneakers, I will just think of sore knees and sore ankles. That's the reality. If my wife sees sneakers, she will say, I'm free. I can be independent. And so we all have these, these histories all the time related to concepts as well as um, things we speak about, thoughts we have, emotions we have as well. And so when we start connecting with each other and becoming intimate, we start realizing each other's histories. And that's, that's how we actually get close. We actually start understanding where does that person come from. And we start being able to show compassion. We can laugh with them on things. We can get angry with them because we know that it's triggering something because of the history that comes with whatever it is we're talking about. And so you can just imagine that this mind mapping is a beautiful tool when used in the right way. But if we are not aware of it, it can actually become a huge stumbling block because we, we don't understand why there's a reaction um, or we don't understand why there's not an honoring 
of ourselves because of our history. So many couples that I counsel when it comes to intimacy and, and you know what, it ends with sex and good sex at the end of the day as well. So many couples that come to me, they often have this problem in knowing where they are coming from. And um, so helping them to ask the right questions. How do you see this? Um, where does it come from? Where does that thought, that feeling come from, from your past? And um, just in learning that, it can diffuse so many arguments. But I think for me, the, be the best thing is it just brings people that much more close to each other. Yes, I'm thinking that when you're in love, you do that automatically. You really can't know enough about the other person. And then often at some stage, you, you just don't pay attention anymore. Absolutely. And, and you know, when we start falling in love... We, we just get so over-connected in our romance and we, we just want to know more and more and more and more. Um, but we're going to get to another point now in terms of individuation where actually if we stay in that romantic phase, we're going to die. We're going to, we're going to kill each other, <laughs> okay? Because there's so much release of adrenaline and endorphins in romance. And um, we've actually got to get to a point where where we now need to start um, being separate from each other and understanding that we are separate and it's very good to be separate. So yes, in the romance phase, we can't learn enough about each other. Um, but the next phase means that we've actually got to get to know a bit more about ourselves so we can give more fully. Before we come to individuation, Andre, could you perhaps tell us how to mind map in practical terms. In practical terms. So uh, I often tell couples, um, if you want to grow in this, don't don't choose a contentious topic. All <laughs> right. So um, it might be something very random that you speak about. For example, a car. All the all you do is the person that is the first speaker will just share what they feel about the car and then why they feel what they feel, okay? Now, it can be feelings, thoughts, and emotions. It's, it's really, it's sharing where and why I feel this about the car. And then you give the person that you're speaking to the, the opportunity to comment on the way you feel. But now, at the beginning, we've got to be careful because we only want positive comments. So um, it's not judging, it's not criticizing, it's saying, I am so interested in the way that you think about cars. And it's just incredible that your father, um, who was so detached from you, actually showed you a way that a car worked. So that, that might be a nice response, all right? And then you turn it over and you let the other person share how they feel about cars, and then you respond to each other, uh, the, the, the second person responds. And then it just becomes a beautiful interchange then. Um, so you responded to me like that. I understand why you did because of your history concerning cars. And similarly, and so you just start developing this beautiful um, connection around your histories and why you think certain ways. Now, when it comes to sexuality and sex and dating and all those kinds of things, a beautiful thing to do is to look at touch because we all have a history when it comes to touch. 
And just for everybody to know, we have five different kinds of touch. All right. We've got what we call um, merely functional touch, which is if my wife is walking and she's going to fall into a hole, I will pull her out. There's nothing romantic about that. It's purely functional. Then we've got rehabilitative touch. That's what doctors do. That's what physiotherapists do. Then we have caring touch. And that's when, when, when we empathize with somebody. We often touch them. And it might be stroking their back, holding their hand. Then, then we go to um, sensual touch. Now, this is touch we all love because it's touch that makes us go gaga. All right. And it's, it's marvelous touch. Okay. Now from sensual touch, we then go to erotic touch and that is causing arousal to occur. And from erotic touch, the last form of touch is sexual touch where sex is the intention. Now you can imagine that in getting to know somebody, understanding what is sensual touch and what is perceived as functional touch or rehabilitative touch is so helpful, especially in a marriage or in, in, in a, when it becomes a sexual relationship. And um, different things trigger different responses to different kinds of touch. So, so mind mapping we see is just on so many different levels. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful gift that we can have in a relationship to learn about each other and just become far better functioning in that relationship. I know you do workshops for, um, for couples, but if someone is now listening and they like the idea of mind mapping, how can you introduce that into your relationship? Into the relationship, I would, I would merely say, learn what you th you thinking about something and find out what your partner's thinking. And be able to share how you react and respond to what you thought or what they thought. Um, and try and just keep it at a level of exploration and excitement in terms of, wow, we're just learning things about each other. And in that process, it can release so much joy. But on the other hand, when we, when we are judgmental and criti critical, it can often create a lot of gridlock, which we'll speak about later as well. Um, so mind mapping is a wonderful tool, but in the right way. And so that's what I'd really encourage couples to, to do it in a non-judgmental, non critical manner, um, seeing it as a, a gift that we're giving each other, that we're trusting each other with the backstory and the history of our lives, and to celebrate that. So that's why you said start with something that's not a contentious absolutely, subject. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. I was wondering if you'd like to share your thoughts with your partner, but you fear you may be judged. You were talking about judgment. What should you do then? You know what, I, I, I often try to help couples to express that. And to express it and, and to be as honest as possible in saying, I want to share something with you, but I'm scared you might see it wrong. It's not meant to be something that I'm asking you to give me an opinion on. I really just want you to hear my heart right now. Um, and so to prepare your partner for what you're going to be sharing and that you're fearful. Now, sometimes if you tell your partner that you're fearful, they take offense. All right. So 
so even in that way, you've got to be careful. But you, you can just say, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I just need to get it off my chest and maybe help you understand something about me. And um, you might have an opinion on it, but if you can save it, I'd really appreciate it. So that's just one way that you can yeah. you can deal with that it. That sounds doable to me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 And now we're coming to individuation, mm. which you mentioned. Could you tell us what that involves? Okay, so in, in the courtship process, all right, and there are 12 steps to the courtship process, which is very interesting. And it's only step eight, which includes foreplay, which then goes into sexual intercourse. Before foreplay, you've got all of these other steps. And um, romance is the fourth step. Okay. And then after romance, we have individuation. So we spoke about the romance where we, we, we can get so intertwined with each other. Okay. But then we have to go into individuation where we actually realize that we are not one being as a couple. We are individuals. And there's a beautiful statement somebody said that if we realize that we are individuals, we have so much more to give to each other. And so that's the gift of individuation. The step after individuation is intimacy. And intimacy releases the hormone oxytocin, which is the attachment hormone. Now, if you consider that you want to attach to somebody, it's not healthy to be attaching because you are just so intertwined you don't know where you begin or end. It's just so much more healthy to know who I am, what I'm giving, who the other person is, what they're giving, and then we can attach so much more meaningfully. So this is the process of individuation where we start learning about ourselves. What do I really like? And when we're in the romantic phase, we just sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice yeah. everything we possibly can to make the other partner feel, you know, happy with us, comfortable with us. Um, but we get to this point, you know what? I don't really like the way he smells. <laughs> and it's about time I spoke about that. And, and, and then the other partners, you know, may have another issue. I don't like you know, the clothes or something that, that she wears or something like that. Um, and it's this whole thing of us realizing we're different people. But if we can hear each other's hearts fully and really accept each other as individuals and, and know what we're sacrificing and what we can actually be comfortable with with each other, it just creates an intimacy which is so much more meaningful. So in when people are dating, often once they've gone through the romance phase and they go to the individual individuation phase, they normally break up. You see, because the the nice adrenaline phase is not there. You see, you're learning to actually separate so you can eventually attach. And so many people will break up at that phase. But if you really want to and, and, and you feel, you know, this is now a, a, a very important relationship to me, I would really encourage you to, to see it through, to actually understand that you are different. You're going to see things differently. And rather than, than it being a negative 
impact on your relationship. It, it can become the most beautiful thing you bring to your relationship. Um, so, so that is the whole understanding of individuation and what it can do in a relationship and eventually create beautiful intimacy. It sounds to me as if many of us might need some help doing this. Yeah. You, you know, I think it's, it's very much a case of me being congruent with who I am. And there are not many people that have really gone that route and said, who am I? What do I like? What do I don't, don't like? And to actually be able to say, I'm okay with that. It's all right. I do not have to be pleasing everybody. I don't have to um, be trying to make everybody feel better about themselves in this process. I am an individual. And that, that, that's why I love having friends that I have two friends and we get together. And um, he said the other day, he said, you know, I've never had a relationship where I can be naked. And we're not talking about physically naked, but where we can actually be so incredibly honest about our thoughts and our feelings and get each other, get each other's perspective on whether we're being true or not to ourselves. And so relationships help us in this process, special ones um, where that can take place. I think therapy can help if there's a need for that. I think... Um, you know, pastoral care can help if, if that is around. And, and sometimes just speaking to a family member and being able to really connect to your history because you both have similar histories and working out how you are different just helps you to understand a bit more of who am I and how can I be true to myself at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's, I like, the perspective you give that this will lead to greater intimacy because mm. I think many women are raised to take care of other people's emotional well-being first. Mm. So if you think you don't really like what the other person is doing, you might then say, but the emotional well-being of the family is more important and I must stand in the back row. So I like your perspective when you say that not following that route, but thinking, how can I actually do the mind mapping about mm. myself and about the other person with the hope that it will lead to a more intimate relationship? That puts a completely different face on it. Absolutely. And you, you, you started talking about um, gender scripts in that whole process. And, you know, men, on the other hand, have been told that they're not allowed to feel and they, they shouldn't be emotional. And so what, what I find is men are just needing to find a vocabulary to express who they really are. And in that process, they start realizing, wow, I didn't know this. And I actually do like that. And I don't like that. And I'm allowed to, but at an emotional level. Because men have always been told you can, you, you, you can feel good about watching some sport or making a braai or, or certain things. But in terms of really getting in touch with how I feel about things, that hasn't been you, you know, given as, as an opportunity for men. And so I think, you, you know, in this whole process of individuation, you start questioning how was I made to be a woman? How was I made to be a man? And 
how can I best express that um, in an authentic way that is true to me? It brings out our uniqueness and the fact that we are so fearfully and wonderfully different to each other. And, um, and, and that's a gift that eventually we give to each other in, in, in marriage or in a relationship. And um, ultimately, maybe at the end in sex. Is there another aspect of intimacy that you would like to talk about? So, yes, I, I, I would li like to talk about gridlock. Okay, so gridlock is, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, gridlock is when we get to a point in a relationship where both partners are just on tenterhooks and their antennae are out to pick up a fence. All right. And um, it's, it's just this whole thing that I cannot relate to you and I cannot seem to be myself with you. And we all get to these points, whether it be in a marriage relationship or with a friend, for that matter. And so gridlock is a sign that um, my individuation is not clear. And it's also a sign that my mind mapping is not working. Okay. And it's, it's where we've got judgment and criticism ruling our mind mapping. And um, my needs for connection ruling my individuation. Okay. Could you explain that, please? Okay. So my need to connect... All right. We, we all have attachment scripts. And so when we feel vulnerable, we often run to something that we connect to that made us feel good. Okay. And um, to be mature, we actually need to self-soothe and not run all over the place to feel better. And many people think that the only way they can feel better is to connect strongly to a person and in marriages to their spouse. And then it becomes domineering. It becomes about me getting something instead of me being able to be myself and to attach with you in a healthy way. So you're putting a lot of pressure on the relationship then? Yes, yeah. Okay, so gridlock happens. And the whole issue of intimacy is very exciting for me because intimacy is formed in the in the top part of our brain, okay? It is actually the most human part of our being. So if we can get over gridlock, we are actually developing the most human part of our being and we are becoming most human, which is amazing. And so gridlock actually becomes a moment where your relationship can become the most beautiful thing in the world. If we actually take it, face it head on, um, start going back to the judgment and criticism, putting that aside and saying, okay, I'm going to hear what, what caused you to feel that way. And often that will be, oh, I'm so sorry. I took, I took you back to your seven-year-old. And I understand that that is just such a painful space. But we've got to actually not be judgmental because we can't say, nah, it's the seven-year-old talking. <laughs> All right, so we, we've got to bring down those attacking 
um, mechanisms and then bring down, down the guards. Then go to the individuation. And we've actually got to get to the point of being able to say, I am my own person and I need to look after myself. My spouse is her own person. And at the end of the day, she's responsible for herself. And if she has decided on something and she's emphatically committed to it, and I don't agree with it, I actually need to let her be. And so we've got to be so careful when we, in long-term relationships, we actually start taking responsibility for each other's decisions. And when we don't like them, obviously, man, that just becomes a huge gridlock. And so, again, it goes back to that individuation, respecting each other, respecting what we find important in life. And, and seeing it rather than it taking away from our relationship, actually building into it. So that is gridlock. It's, it's often related to our mind mapping, to our individuation. Obviously, all the other stages of, of that courtship process have a gridlock element to them. So um, I've looked at it specifically just from those two, two aspects. Yes, so gridlock sounds to me might be a good thing yep. in, in that it points out where you are mm -hmm. and then you may need some help to get out of it. Absolutely. And, and you know what? We, we want to mature to the point that we won't need other people to, to try and mediate <laughs> or take us through a process. But I, I just want to encourage people. If there, there's nothing wrong with having somebody that can just help you hear your own, your own words and maybe really hear your, your spouse or your partner's words. Um, so, yeah, I, we, need, we need each other. And couples need outsiders. And, um, and I think we, we always believe that we must be praying for, for people around us that can, that, that can really encourage us, be our cheerleaders. And part of that is actually them being really involved in those moments mm -hmm. that are sometimes not the best. But the vulnerability that we share out of our gridlocks becomes a beautiful gift um, of developing not only the couple's relationships, but relationships with others. And, and, and you find in the process, everybody has those issues. And we, we all come from the same planet, which is childhood. And so we all carry these things and we can relate to each other and help each other on the way. And if you don't have anyone to help you or um, a facilitator, then maybe just becoming aware of the fact that you have the mind map and your partner has the mind map and just working with that a little mm. and then looking at the giving yourself permission to be an individual. Because I think very often we society has taught us that we don't have that right. Absolutely. Yes, I, I love what you're saying. And, and certainly in long-term relationships, people think they don't have the right to be individual. Mm. And, um, and we do. And it's, it's, it's not pulling away. Obviously, there can be ex extremes of that where people withdraw unnecessarily. But it's actually learning about myself to give more uh, at the end of the day. Well, you are giving us tools because if I sit down and think, what, what is bothering me in this situation? Which need 
mm. has not been met and and what do I really need which you say one should look at if you are looking at yourself as, as an individual yes. then maybe you can go into the the type of process that you describe with a mind mapping mm. and try to explain that Yes, absolutely. You know, you, you're talking about time out, <laughs> yes. which is a good thing for many couples that just get into that gridlock and just a bit of time out to, to realize what is really motivating me, what's the real issue here, um, and being able to come back is very helpful. Yeah. I think that the best news of what you're saying is the light at the end of the tunnel, which is that that can improve your the level of intimacy you experience. Absolutely. So even though in gridlock it may seem as if everything is falling apart and you're pulling apart, yeah. there are ways to get through that and get yes. to the other side and yes. be yeah. closer. Absolutely. Yeah. So Andre, on a personal note, how have these tools impacted on your marriage? On our marriage? Well, I need to tell you that my wife and I are really good at having arguments. Um, you know, there, there's some people in life that love gridlocks. They actually, they, they make a, a, an intentional space for a gridlock to happen. <laughs> All right. And the other people that just are so scared of them. Now, in many ways, my wife Loves, loves an argument, <laughs> all right? And I tend to be the opposite. Um, and and we've, it's been really good for us to realize that as well. And so when we get into these gridlocks and she just goes for it and is on and on and on, I actually need to say, I'm so sorry. I, I can't, please, can we just stop? <laughs> uh, I need to take a break. Um, and it's, it's really been helpful for us. I think... Also, um, my wife is partially sighted. So the, we, we've had to work through the whole thing of individuation because you can imagine that um, when I was speaking earlier on, her walking down the road and there being a hole, um, I've had to pull her, pull her out of that. And so a lot of functional touch has happened. I, and it took us a while to realize this, I saw that as caring touch and that there's actually some love in there. But she didn't see that at all. You know, I was merely stopping her from falling in a hole, you see. And so we had to start looking at our, our touch script and what it meant to us and, and to, to start realizing, okay, when we go to the shopping mall, it's functional touch. Nothing that happens is me being caring or becoming sensual in any way. And, and we had to understand that and become comfortable with that um, and make up for it in different ways. So we, we've loved these principles in working them out and at, at different levels as well. Um, touch, arguing, you know, having rules around it. Um, when we sit around a, a fire, we just start talking about how do we perceive things um, and just opening up that whole um, discussion and debate to learn more about each other. And so on one hand, it's been tough because the gridlock has been a reality. But on the other hand, it's been very hope-filled um, because we know it doesn't have to be the end. We do have mind mapping and individuation as we're speaking about to draw close. Yeah. Thank you, Andre. Mm. Would you please give us your best tips on intimacy? Okay, my best tips of in, on intimacy are that we all have been given 
the capacity to cope with our feelings. Our maker has given us that capacity. And I think many people get overwhelmed and they react instead of responding. And so if we can really get that deep in our heart that we were made as precious individuals with the capacity to cope with our personality, our character traits, and how other people perceive them. We are not a mistake. And um, while sometimes it's really uncomfortable, it's just that deep sense of knowing I'm going to be okay. I've been made to cope. The next one I wanted to share was that intimacy is about undressing, believe it or not. Okay, um, It's about actually removing layers from our heart, removing layers from our intellect, from our emotions. And so when we're with somebody else, we actually, and, and this doesn't only have to happen between people that are going to end up having sex, it's, we have it with family members, we remove these layers. And, and so we choose who we're going to remove more layers with. And I think we've, we've got to guard against removing the layers too quickly sometimes. And then the last layer would be that I remove my physical clothing. Because our nakedness is something very precious and something that we've got to honor and respect deeply. So we always say, if you want to have good sex, don't take your clothes off first. Take the layers off of your heart, of your mind, of your thinking, of your day. And then it's going to end up with the final layer exposing the real purpose, which is to love deeply and share deeply um, in a vulnerable way. And then the last one would be that generally speaking, and I'm saying generally, okay, um, women are turned on by the context, all right? So it's, it's the story behind the relationship and getting together. Oh, my word, they are turned on by that. Whilst men are turned on visually, and that might not be the fact that they've got to see their spouse naked or anything like that. But it's even a fantasy that actually drives their sexual drive at the end of the day. And understanding this has been so helpful for couples. Um, and to, to make men aware of, you know what, you do have a romantic bone in your body and create a context you know, go and buy some smelling salts or go and get some flowers or dim the lights or put on some music. You know, that's, that is going to actually help your spouse feel that she is number one. That's really important for the woman. Okay. But then on the other hand, women need to be out there and saying, hey, I love your muscles. <laughs> or I love the way you look when you do this, you know, so that their spouse can actually feel validated in their physical being because they are turned on by not only personal validation, but then what they see. Um, and helping spouses realize this has just been a wonderful gift for us in seeing people enjoy life and, and find a deeper level of intimacy. Yes, and I think your enthusiasm helps a lot with uh, <laughs> others getting yeah. that. Okay, yeah. 
Are you ready for your fun question? Yes, let's go for it. Yes. I was thinking that part of getting along with others is learning how to sweeten the deal. Mm-hmm. And if our family members are wise, then they figure out what we really like. Mm. Now, I was wondering, is there anything that you really like? Something that melts your resistance? Something that melts my resistance. That your family members know and use against you? Yo, you know what? I, th- I, th- I think it's they know that I love pleasing them. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> we will walk <laughs> in a shopping mall and my daughter will say, Oh, it would be lovely to have an ice cream today. It's so hot. (laughs) And the next thing, I am in front of an ice cream (laughs) shop and I'm buying ice cream. And so they know, they know that I just have this deep love of pleasing and and enjoying a moment. I think that's the key. I, I love enjoying a moment and making moments, you see. And so to get that, to get that ice cream and to enjoy it is just something I can't stop. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that's that would be it yeah it sounds as if they really get you <laughs> oh they do yeah. yeah yeah thank you very much andre for your time oh it's it's wonderful and as i say it's a gift to me as well thanks maria and to our listeners thank you for joining us if you found this episode helpful please share it with someone you care about If you'd like a more fulfilling relationship with your beloved, if you wish parenting could be easier, or if you're interested in upping your emotional well-being, you're welcome to visit my website, mariettesneyman.co.za, for free articles and podcast episodes. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, And the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 